So my guest on this week's episode of Drill to Detail is Michael Rainey, someone I've worked with at several years back at Whitman Mead when he headed up our data integration practice at the time. And since then, both he and I have moved on with Michael moving to Gluin as their technical advisor. So Michael, welcome to the show and uh, good to have you on here. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me. So Michael, just give us a bit of a, 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 a positive history really of, of what you've been doing up until now and um, you know, how you got involved in, 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 in data integration and databases and so on and then the route into the role you're doing at uh, Gluent at the moment. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, I, mean, I started out as a, an application developer like, like many of us do and uh, moved into the data warehouse world uh, and, and at the time we had our own homegrown data warehouse uh, system so we had and we had uh, uh, built up a, a VB6 app that, that would generate SQL Server DTS packages. So this is you know, really old technology and decided to transition to Oracle Data Integrator. And that's really how I got into to the Oracle world. Uh, from then, I, I, I moved on to, to work with you and, and uh, others at Ritman Mead, uh, did consulting around Oracle Data Integration, uh, so Oracle Golden Gate, Oracle Data Integrator, uh, for about five years, uh, and then you know, as as things happen, you know, you you get contacted by somebody and and have a, a great opportunity come up, and and that was uh, what happened with Gluent. Uh, now with Gluent, I I mean, technical advisor is sort of a general title. It's a wearer of hats, if you if you will, because it's a startup that's that's very small. So we you know we do what we need to, but. I, I focus on account management, uh, customer being being a customer advocate, uh, and then also marketing, training, content development, delivery of the training, and and all of that. So, and really anything else that's that's needed. Okay, okay. So that sounds. I mean, that sounds like a role in the place I work currently called a, a product specialist. So that's a kind of role that came, I think, out of Google originally, where you yeah. become, as you say, you, you you are the customer's advocate. You are a technical specialist in what you do. Um, and, and you act as that kind of, uh, I suppose, kind of funnel from the stuff coming from the customer to the company. But it's also interesting, must be interesting for you, you know, working in product now as well. I mean, you and I both used to work in consulting. Product is, is, is different really as well. How have you found working in a startup and working in, in, in a product company? Yeah, it is, it is really interesting. And, and, you know, I'm definitely learning a lot um, just about how, how, a, how a startup works and how, how a business uh, runs. And, and also, you know, the, the types of, of feedback you get and not just from customers, but also the, the industry that help kind of make you pivot a little bit, I guess, uh, as to what you're developing and, and, and what you're delivering. I was about to say, one of the things that I mean, I found with, with product is, is that, you know, typically when we come from consulting, you, you will do anything for the individual customer. You know, a customer comes to you with a requirement and, and you will move heaven and earth to meet that customer's precise requirements. But, you know, certainly when you work for a product company, you've got to kind of balance out what are the requests from customers that are going to help you kind of grow the business and what are ones that are going to take you in a route that perhaps isn't strategic. I mean, that, that certainly, you know, I, I found that. Same with you, really? Yeah, and that's, that's true. It's 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 uh going from evangelizing somebody else's product like mm, oracle's mm. data integration technology yeah. to evangelizing your own yeah you you have to be careful about uh you know what what you're promising that the product will do and and also you know what like you said the the which features uh should be in and and which should be you know put on the back burner for for a later time yeah 
So we, we had the reason I wanted to get you on, on the show is, 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 first of all, obviously, it's good to have you on and, and we've known each other for a while and you've got some great opinions and, and thoughts on, on, on the industry. Um, but also I had, uh, had Tanel on the show back, uh, I think it was actually this time last year, it was the, um, the UK Oracle user group. I remember interviewing him in his hotel room in, uh, in, in kind of Birmingham. And we talked then about the Gluent founding story and we talked about what problem Gluent was trying to solve and you know the approach they were taking with this kind of idea of a hybrid kind of uh, you know hybrid kind of workload and environment um and i noticed that there was um an announcement recently which was uh that you guys had actually um, done some stuff in the cloud and mm-hmm. i was particularly interested to come back and, and and get a bit of an update because first of all i'm curious to see how you guys are getting on but yeah i've got this kind of theory that as as these as workloads like ones we used to move into the cloud this kind of distinction between uh, between you know what is data warehouse technology and what is big data technology will kind of change, but also you know nothing will ever move entirely to the cloud. There'll always be an on-premise workload, and so I was kind of curious to see where you guys uh, were going with this, and uh, you know what your thoughts were on this as well. Um, so, so first of all, just for anybody who is new to Gluent, because I imagine a lot of people on the podcast, you know, the audience would be, just tell us a bit about the basic facts about what is Gluent, the company, and the software, yep. and what do you do, and, and what problem do you solve, and so on. Yeah, sure thing. Um, so Gluin is is a data virtualization software. So, and that's that's a broad term, data virtualization. So, you know, I'll, I'll break it down as to to how we how we affect that. Um, so we have uh, two real major components of our our Gluent data platform: uh, the offload of data, uh, which is moving data from a relational database into uh, a big data technology like Hadoop. And so the reason the reason we came about to, to do this was uh, we we saw that you know many many enterprises were were struggling with with their storage or their their CPU costs or, or excuse me CPU processing power and eventually the cost as well to to continue to to maintain that and and, and build up some more uh, storage and processing power uh, the other the other aspect was uh, that. Data within the enterprise is in all these different types of siloed data stores. So there's you know relational databases from many different types of vendors, plus you know big data that's in in Hadoop and HDFS. And we saw that you know that that makes it very limiting as to how you can access the data. So offloading from a relational database into Hadoop puts it into an open data format, which can then be accessed by many different engines. Uh, not just the big data technologies like Impala or Hive or or other SQL on Hadoop engines, but even the you know Kafka or or other streaming streaming technologies, uh, graph technologies, anything really. The the other aspect of that 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 you know helps us with the data virtualization is is transparent query, where after you offload that data uh, to to Hadoop, you can still access the data. As if it never left the the relational database, so we don't we don't require any application uh, code rewrites or migrations. It's it's completely transparent, or you know as as you will, data virtu- the the data is virtualized, the data access is virtualized. Okay, okay. I mean that sounds. I mean that, that that that's a good. I think good explanation of it really. I mean, so so you're saying there that <clears throat> first of all you're kind of actually offloading data that's being stored in, I suppose, expensive you know, Oracle data warehouses or, or, or kind of Teradata and so on into Hadoop mm-hmm. um, storage, which obviously there's a cost saving there. But then I think, you know, the thing that makes it very interesting is this ability to then carry on with the workload going through the Oracle database. But actually, you know, in the cases where the data is now moved to Hadoop, for example, you know, it still just kind of transparently accesses that. I mean, what, what's the, 
what's the kind of underlying i mean comparing it to say oracle big data sql which you know you mm-hmm. and i know where um it, how how does it work with gluent you know how what what kind of like sql technology do you use on hadoop and, and how do you yep. achieve this quite magical thing really yeah and just to yeah to to take it a step further i guess a little more detailed uh, the, the offload process i mean it's that's something that we, you know, you or I could probably write a, a scoop command and, and perform an offload, you know, from a relational database like Oracle. But behind the scenes, what Gluon is also doing is, is well, first it's it's creating the, you know, it's, it's putting it into a storage format that is a compressed columnar format like Parquet or Orc. So it's it's saving the storage that, you know, as much as you possibly can on Hadoop side. And also, you know, enabling the the faster analytic or, or data access for your analytics. Um, we're also building the metadata around that 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 table. So we're taking the 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 Oracle uh, table structure or relational database table structure and and putting that into into Hadoop as well. And you know, we do a lot of the the data type translations to make sure that you know because. Because Hadoop, SQL on Hadoop doesn't have the same data types as, as uh, you know, an Oracle uh, relational database. So, so we have to do all of that behind the scenes for you. Plus, if if you have stats computed in Oracle, we can move those across to to Impala, uh, say, you know. So, so we have a lot more that's going on there, on the transparent query side. Um, so you can offload, uh, you know, all of your table or a portion of your table. So maybe you have. Ten percent of the the active data still remains in your relational database, and you move the other ninety percent off to to Hadoop. Uh, we have the the ability when we run a, a query against this, you know, we call it a you know a hybrid table. Now uh, we take a look at the execution plan itself and determine at what you know which which lines of that execution plan we can push down into into Hadoop for the processing uh, and and save that save that processing power for a technology that is, you know, built for that, you know, so you have this massive Hadoop cluster that has uh, parallel processing across all of its nodes and, and is, is made for that type of work. Mm. Okay. So, so, how, so how much, how much, I mean, t- take, if you took maybe sort of like an EBS type sort of database, I mean, I'm not saying necessarily that one, but you took a kind of like ERP type sort of system. I mean, typically, mm-hmm. you know, what percentage of data would you typically expect to be able to offload, you know, to, to Hadoop and, and how much of the, how much of the kind of the transactional workload in terms of, you know, coverage of queries or whatever could you, could you offload, do you think? Yeah, it's, it's going to depend, um, you know, we, and we have a, a, a tool that will help us determine that. You know, it's called the Gluent Advisor, but it will you can run that against your relational database. It's just some SQL scripts that that take a look at the uh, uh, the usage of the data and see what's what's more active. You know, what's being updated uh, more often, and then we'll we'll decide. You know, you want to offload m- most of the time. You don't want to offload active data because, as as you know, you know HDFS is not is is a pinned only. Um, we do have the ability to go back and update offloaded data. So if if you do happen to change some some data later on, and and then you just rerun and offload, and it will it will perform that update and and essentially mimic an update within HDFS. Uh, so so it depends on you know how how active the data is. 
Okay. All right. Good. And and just as a kind of a transparency, just to, it, it, some people might know that I did. I, I worked a little bit of time um, over in Gluent last year. Hence, uh, hence, kind of having this unnaturally kind of like good knowledge of uh, of, of kind of how your product works. I actually, I worked there, as you know, obviously, Michael. I worked there um, for a couple of months um, just as I was leaving, kind of Ripper Mead and so on. So um, it's interesting to see how you guys have got on, really. And uh, I've always kind of been interested in, in, in where it's going. Um, and on that point, so when I when I when I was there and I left there, um, you, the, the technology to extend that to other other kind of database types was, was kind of being developed you know give us an update on how that's going and, and what was the again what was the kind of point of that and the purpose and so on yeah yeah I mean so I, I, we've we've talked about Oracle a couple times already and and the uh, yeah, as you know you know others might not know is you know, the founders and most of us within the company are, are from an Oracle background uh, as you as you are so so we you know, we all decided it was best to start with Oracle first uh, because we know it so well. Uh, the 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 other aspect of that is is we decide you know af- after getting into the the Oracle work and, and understanding what's what's going on there and and building the product, uh, we we determined we've we've probably done the most complex relational database that that we could as as our first start. So not to say that something like SQL Server isn't a complex data database, but uh, you know, it is. Otherwise, this would have been done already. But uh, you know, we 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 know that we have the the, the appropriate pattern and and uh, have built out the product once. So we know we know the process we need to go through to to replicate it against other databases. So that's you know kind of the history of where we started. Um, right now, we have SQL Server in in production as well, uh, and then. Uh, due to some some interesting customer demand, we have we have uh, Natiza uh, in the works right now. So a Natiza offload, and that's that's due to the the end of life uh, and need for for these these large enterprises to migrate off of Natiza into something else. So we've you know, like I said, we've we've got this customer demand that just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and that's the interesting started, one, isn't it? To what extent you follow? Yeah, that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we started working with with one company, and then and then before you know, it, we have several other requests, and so that's that's in the works with that one company, and and uh, we'll continue on with others. Okay, so so the way I understand that is it's you can do the offloading from those databases, but the actual query translation is always still Oracle at the moment. So you could actually run Oracle SQL on the teaser, or or would it be on the data you've offloaded from the teaser? How would that work? Yep. So yeah. So if you if we and it, it, for example, this this uh, customer we're working with it's a it's a large financial institution that that initially approached us with the the need for the Natiza offload to Hadoop. So they they um, they also have, in fact, they also have a SQL Server uh, uh, set of databases that they want to offload as well. Now, once they once they got into you know our pilot process and understanding you know how the, how Gluent works, they 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 saw that. They could actually offload both data sets, and then now they have them in one common location that can actually you know, join things together and, and uh, transform the data and, and actually generate their analytics out of it. You know, so, so imagine this, you offload the, the data from Netiza, from SQL Server, if you enrich the data with some Spark SQL or something like that within Hadoop, you can then, uh, whatever table that exists within Hadoop, you know, it, let's say it's in Impala, you can actually present that table. That's what our transparent query 
product is called is Gluent Present. You can present that to uh, an Oracle relational database as if it lived there. So, so that's where you know another really big, you know, powerful use for for our our product is that that present only sort of uh, approach. And we have several customers that are just using it that way. Okay. Okay, so how, how did, I mean, on the last point on this, really, how, how did, and actually, I confess, I never quite understood this when I was there, actually. How, how, did, how, did you, how did you, how did you manage to get Impala to be as functional as Oracle SQL? So, so when you kind of, uh, you know, run, run the whole range of, and you and I know the kind of the, the weird and wonderful things you can run in Oracle, like model clauses and, 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 and so on. How did you manage to kind of get that to then work on Impala, really? What was the kind of, the, and I suppose this is where, Tanel's uh, knowledge of Oracle internals comes in, but what was the kind of the, the solution there? Yeah, no, we uh, to give a little background on on why I mentioned Impala is you know along with our our knowledge and, and, and starting with Oracle as the original source for the the product, we uh, you know we we quickly realized that you know we can't be everything to everyone. So we, as you know, the Hadoop has several vendors. Uh, vendor distributions. With each vendor distribution, you get a different set of technologies. Uh, so Cloudera, you you get the Impala uh, SQL engine. Uh, Hortonworks, you would have Hive as your SQL engine. You know, so so we decided. Well, we've we've got you know plenty of pipeline with with the Oracle offload, and and it happens so happens to be that that almost all of those customers were Cloudera customers as well. So so we took our focus down the Cloudera path. Um, but now we we have MapR in production, and then HortonWorks and and Amazon EMR are both uh, coming very soon. So, so I mean that as far as a target goes, we're 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 coming right along with those. But the the way that works, I mean, we with this uh, transparent query access. I mean, it, one of the questions that that people often ask is, you know, is it just a you know query pass through? You know, how yeah, how do you get it to work like that? And like, well, Oracle could have well, we know it has many different analytic functions that that just don't work in in Impala or or Hive, and it, there's even there's there are even queries that have correct syntax that haven't been built out in that SQL engine, and and you know, we so so there's there's a lot of you know if you think about Oracle as a database, it's it turned forty this year, right? So I think Impala Impala is maybe three or four years old. So there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of experience built up there. Uh, what what Tanel and and others have have created and actually have patented now is uh, uh, is the ability to to, uh, as I mentioned earlier, read that execution plan out of the the database, and each each line it determines what can be pushed down into Impala, and so so and we do that query translation on the fly. So. So one of the aspects, you know, as I mentioned earlier, was the 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 ability to translate data types from uh, from Oracle to Impala during that that offload process when you're building up the table. So we need to make sure that the data types are correct. We're going to get you know store the data correctly, but we also can 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 push the the push that query down whether it's a join or a filter or aggregates. We push all of that work down. 
Okay. Okay. So, so, so far, I mean, up until the point of the cloud stuff at the moment, we'll talk about. I mean, who, who, yeah. who has been, who has been the kind of the buyer of this, really? I mean, one, you know, so you say you you, you act as an in account management as well, and so on. Who typically mm-hmm. within the organisation is 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 buying this, and what kind of organisation is is kind of buying into this kind of like approach? Really, I'm just kind of curious. Yeah. Yeah. So we've. We've really focused on some of the larger enterprises and, you know, Fortune 500, Fortune 1000, you know, and, and that's where we, we find the, uh, you know, these, these types of large data sets that are, are, are causing, causing trouble on the, you know, the relational database uh, that can benefit from being offloaded and, and pushing work down to Hadoop. Uh, so, I mean, we've, uh, there's a, several case studies out on our, our website and, you know, I, I can mention the, you know, one company that um, uh, they're called Vistra Energy, and they're they're based out of uh, Dallas, Texas. Um, they're they're a large power company down there, and they they originally came at it with uh, uh, you know looking at Gluent with the cost savings in mind, you know, trying to offload from from their Exadata Oracle Exadata machine into Hadoop, but quickly they realized you know they could do a lot more. They 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 have they have a Hadoop Hadoop cluster with with um, uh, smart data, uh, smart meter data. Sorry, coming in. So this sort of IoT that's coming from the the you know the consumer usage of the energy. Uh, they also have transcribed customer support calls, so they can you know keep track of how you know how how, how happy or frustrated you are with their service. So they can now take this information and. Uh, present it from Hadoop into their their customer ERP system, and and now they've they've kind of put these these uh, additional pieces of the the customer 360 puzzle together, and they can do some some interesting analytics now where they you know one uh, one of the 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 more recent uh, uh, bits of analytics that that have come out of this exercise was uh, so they have they have a product called uh, free nights so basically if you, you use energy a certain way uh the they'll they'll offer you free nights free free energy overnight so they can now they can now tie all of this usage information in with with their customer information and and then present either you know maybe they'll send you a flyer or send you an email or present uh this option on the on the website when you log in so so they're 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 able to offer their customers a better product uh, just okay. by using this technology. Yeah. Okay, that's kind of what I was thinking. I mean, I, I think that, you know, again, sort of, I spoke to Tanel um, this time last year, you know, the, 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 the obvious appeal of a technology like this is to save money, really. But, but mm-hmm. it's quite, you know, my experience is quite hard for people to make a big change in their technology just to save money. Um, especially mm-hmm. if you if it's a technical sale, but it was really the the, the I suppose the additional kind of options that are now op- open to you, and the fact that you've got your data in this centralized place, you know, you've got these more open formats, and it's more what you can do with it from that point onwards that is the real kind of appeal, really. And and you know, almost this cost saving is 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 like a conversation starter and, and a bonus, but it's not the real reason you would do this. And it's interesting to see that's kind of how it work, how it's worked out for you. So um, that's kind of good. Yeah, I mean, it's good to see that's worked out. Yeah, it's it's it always started as the the foot in the door, right? <laughs> and, uh, but and really, we've we've learned that that uh, that isn't the only way to 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 really you know 
begin speaking with with these enterprises in, the, in these because uh, you, know, you you ask you know, sort of who who might be interested in an in organization it's it's going to be more of the the architects and the you know of course the CIO the, those types of folks you know we, when we start talking with the the database professionals they they, they really want to just know how it works you know how did you do that are you, are you doing it correctly <laughs> so yeah so that yeah that uh, and so we want to you know get to the, the the folks that that really are interested in 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 the entire enterprise i you know data architecture okay okay so let's move on then so so the thing that i so say the thing that prompted me to, to to drop your line to say if, if you're interested in coming on the show was the announcement about gluing and the cloud so just 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 tell us a bit about what that is at the start what, what have you done um and, and and what's the kind of headline features and we can drill a little bit into what that means afterwards okay yeah yeah, so we, you know, the I think the blog post you're referring to is a, a around a product called CloudSync, and that's and it's I guess a component of the the entire Gluent data platform. Um, so this started out really as a as a backup and restore service. So you know we're we're leading leading enterprises and and leading them to offload their data into Hadoop, and we realized you know hey this this would be It'd be good to offer them something, you know, another another service that could you know, back up that HDFS uh, data, those files in HDFS, off into the cloud into a, a storage service like, uh, you know, an object store like S3 or, or Google Google Cloud Storage, whatever it may be. So, so we started with that, and then we we really quickly realized, you know, there's there's some more potential to this. Uh, you know, the first one is we, you know. If you're, if you're offloading or, or backing up your your data lake from HDFS that's you know, on premises off to the cloud, so now you have this this backup data that can be used for additional analytics. It doesn't just have to sit there, you know, static and, and be used. So we have, you know, if you think of of putting the data in Amazon S3, you have uh, now you have Amazon Athena. You could run queries against it. You have you know the the latest you know the new released uh, AWS Glue. You can perform transformations and use that data to, to enhance it. And then, you know, of course, if you have any other, uh, you know, machine learning tasks or, or uh, very, you know, processing intensive tasks that you just want to ramp up a, a cluster, a Hadoop cluster for, and then, you know, process the data and then, then, then spin it down, you know, you can do that. So once the data gets, gets out into this open storage format, you know, then, then it, you know, there's so many different ways you can access it. Uh, the, the other uh, 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 bit we we realized was we could take the same same sort of uh, data virtualization uh, innovation that we've done for for the relational database and Hadoop, where we we offload to Hadoop and then and then you know you you virtualize the data access. We could do the same for Hadoop and and this cloud storage. So you could you could offload or you know essentially back up a portion of your HDFS data into the cloud, and and then access it from a single uh, Impala table. So we have that same sort of uh, paradigm uh, from you know for for HDFS in the cloud as we do with with our current data virtualization. So, so is that effectively like doing t- query translation for Impala then? So Impala can run its run its queries against object storage in the cloud as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So, so what what which which clouds do you currently supporting? Is is it kind of um, you know obviously Amazon, but are you looking to do yeah. Oracle and, and and Google and so on? I mean, what's your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, currently currently Amazon S3, and and it's not much uh, of a stretch to go to the others. Yeah, it's I mean, really, it's a the cloud store. So, um, you know, the way the way things work now is, you know, the customer demand will drive those features. So, if if we had someone come out and say, okay, you know, look, I'm 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 really interested in this, but we use Google Cloud Storage, then. Yeah, you know, that's that's the direction we would go if it made sense. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So what what about? I mean, so so would you see that as being? Uh, I mean, so 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 Oracle Oracle data. So data from Oracle could end up into Hadoop, and then it would, then it would go into uh, into cloud, or could it go straight from Oracle into the cloud? I mean, what what's the how, how flexible is that? Yeah, it's uh, if you if you offload yeah into Hadoop and then and then back up to the cloud, that would that would be the way. Yeah, but I mean. Ultimately, the vision is is to, you know, just run a query, and Gluent helps you get get the data returned. You know, and that's so. I mean, we're that's that's the end goal is uh, you know limit the data movement and and virtualize the data access so you don't have to change your applications to 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 be able to get to that same data. So, so I mean, do you? I mean, do you think? I mean, one of the things I, I, I often think is is that um, you know, Hadoop is, is is still quite a a complex technology, you know, on premise. And you know, having worked with recently things like BigQuery and Athena and so on, you know, you can see the advantages of a kind of like a no ops data warehouse running in the cloud and and and, and right. how, how it gets it, how it allows you to have this kind of scale, but without any of the kind of the very little of the infrastructure work. I mean, do you, do you do you still think there's going to be a role for Hadoop on premise? Going forward, or, or, or is that all going to move into the cloud? Do you think? I mean, what's your, where do you think this is going technology-wise? Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting because I, when I when I started with Gluon at the the beginning of the year, that's I think that's around the time that about three or four analysts wrote Hadoop is dead articles or or Hadoop is dying or you know that sort of thing. Like it's it's like the it's like the sequel is dying articles that come out. You know, every once in a while, SQL is is going away. We know it's not going away. It's it's actually being implemented in every technology you can think of. So, uh, so with with Hadoop, I mean, there's there's still uh, there's still the uh, the the potential for for something like HDFS to to have a have a place in, in an enterprise. And so you you know you mentioned that um, uh, HDFS will still be relevant, and yet. A lot of people are saying, you know, John Pierre Dykes last week was saying that you know, Object Store will take over from HDFS. You know, do, do you think H, do you think HDFS will stay as it is, or do you, you know, what, what's your what's your thoughts on the demand for that and, and use for that really? Yeah, there, there's so many different different technologies that use the the Hadoop drivers and 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 have the ability to access that that data. I mean, it's so the 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 big thing right now, and and I think JP mentioned this as well is. Hadoop or HDFS is is acts like a file system. It's a logical mm. file system. So mm. you have you have your your data access security. You have your uh, your controls around how you know at a very granular level how how somebody can access the data. Whereas an object store is just you're in or out. That's it. So so until it gets that that sort of security that some some sort of aspect of a file system on top of it i think hdfs will still still stick around for that for that reason the uh the serverless technologies that and and the ability to access that that data within s3 or within google cloud storage or whatever other cloud storage i mean it's uh the those technologies are are very uh 
I, I do think that's the way the data processing is going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's an interesting point you saying that. I mean, I, I was very much of that opinion, um, but certainly, um, it's certainly those, those kind of you know serverless databases, you know, server for no ops data warehouses, that base level of storage and compute and so on. They're they're, they're fantastic, but. I mean, I've been playing around with um, Druid over the last weekend, actually, and I was looking at kind of things we're doing with that and trying to get, I suppose, to solve that last mile of query performance with, with BigQuery, where, you know, the last 30 seconds of a query is still there. Um, and I guess the point I was looking at when I was looking at that was you, you get a lot more kind of like innovation and a lot more kind of new projects springing up, obviously, within this kind of, I suppose, Hadoop world and, and, and on-premise world, because you've got much more ability to do things at a smaller scale. And I think, you know, where those things like BigQuery come in is that they can solve a common problem very well. Um, but there'll always be a need for kind of a new things, innovative things, um, you know, more point solutions and more kind of like niche solutions. Um, and, you know, an HDFS probably will be gone in, in its current form, won't be there in a few years time because it will be in memory or something, but it will be, it's, it's all swappable out. And that again is the big beauty of Hadoop that really every, every component can be swapped out. Right, exactly. And, and that's where, you know, if you think about, uh, you know, moving the data to a cloud storage, then you're, you're, you're pretty tied to that vendor again, right? <laughs> it's, you know, so you're, you're going to access data in S3 with, with Athena, with with Glue, with QuickSight, with uh, EMR, whatever it may be, um, but you're not going to go to BigQuery and, and access it. So, so that's you know that that's kind of an interesting uh, you know shift to think about as well. We don't want to get get stuck in those silos again, the way the way we kind of are now, relational databases. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's go. Th- I mean, it's, it's been a, since you and I kind of worked together. There's been a, quite a few interesting products come out in in, in this space that that kind of I always wondered what your opinion of them would be, really. And um, so, yeah, AWS Glue. Every so often, I get a, I get a, a, a Twitter direct message from uh, Tanel saying AWS Glue is fantastic. You know, you ought to look at it. It's really really interesting. And um, what, what's your take? First of all, you know, for anybody who doesn't know what it is, uh, Michael, just explain mm-hmm. what AWS Glue is and, and and why you and I might be interested in it. What's the kind of interesting thing with it? Yeah, so it's it's a a serverless data integration technology that that Amazon has has released, and but that's not the only thing. It's it's um, it has a, a metadata catalog that that ultimately re- replaces the metadata catalog, the uh, the Athena metadata catalog out there on on uh, on, on AWS technologies, and to populate that catalog, it has these these things called crawlers. Um, so you can currently access um, data with an S3 or through any JDBC connection. So, I mean, that's quite a, quite a lot of technologies you can get to. And what it will do, it will go out and, and basically mine this metadata from, from these, these data stores and store it away in, in, your, in your Glue catalog. At that point, you can use or, or, use or access any of those data sources from within your, your data integration uh, mapping, if you will. Um, so it's it's also serverless, as we've mentioned, so uh, it will spin up what it needs to behind the scenes, and you don't need to worry about you know uh, provisioning servers or any of that. It, it just does it uh, as part of its its processing. Um, the, it's it's a it's a little bit of a graphical tool. There's a little bit of uh, you know graphical mapping to it, but most of it is is uh, PySpark with within uh, a nice code window. And you use the the, the glue uh, API to 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 perform uh, transformations or 
or data access, what have you. So what's your take on it then? Because I mean, you and I used to spend, yeah. you and I and Stuart back at the time used to spend uh, ages kind of building, kind of very carefully building data mappings between source and target yeah. and, and all that kind of stuff when we couldn't do anything until the business domain you know, experts would, would, would kind of give us a kind of data model of the source system and so on. And, and this glue, you know, it, it sounds kind of interesting and there's been similar ideas from Google in the past, Google Goods and so on. You know, what's your, what's your view on all this? You know, do you think it's too good to be true? Do you think it's kind of, I mean, what, what, what do you, what's your take on it, Michael? Yeah, it, it, it definitely is. It's not too good to be true. I think it's, um, as with any data integration tool, you, you need to uh, understand what it can do and what it can't. So there's, there's certain limitations, uh, as with anything. The, the nice thing uh, with, you know, I work with Oracle Data Integrator, so uh, the way that worked was, you you had some built-in templates for building your mappings, but then you could develop your own or modify them, and that's kind of you know you take that look or that that sort of approach with AWS Glue, where yeah you can use the transformations that they've defined for you, but you can also write your own uh, Spark SQL or Spark code. So so you can you can extend it uh, as much as you need to, and that's where. You know, I think I think as they as it continues to get used, uh, you know, they'll hopefully they'll get you know good product feedback from the folks that are that are using it in enterprises and and start to improve the product. Uh, but I think I mean again, I think the you know the serverless processing is is just the way the way the way it's going to go, and and uh, you know there shouldn't you shouldn't need to worry about provisioning servers or or understanding how you know. Uh, what size of server you need or, or how many CPUs or whatever, it just, just send it a job. And, 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 you know, ultimately I think, I think JP mentioned this as well. That's kind of interesting with the serverless is, you know, ultimately you just define like, what's, what's my SLA on this query to return. And, 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 you know, and, and, you know, hopefully AWS glue can, or, or whatever technology it is can, can perform. Right. So where would you? I mean, this. I mean, Tanel has again been interested in 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 glue. I mean, do you, do you see it? Do you see that this being a complement to the stuff you guys do with 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 kind of uh, the Gluent software? I mean, is it or is it solving the same problem or what really? Yeah, it, well, it, I think it fits right into our our vision of of you know access to all enterprise data uh, at, at any time from basically from a query without without rewriting your your uh, applications, and so so. One of the uh, the original uh, ideas around Gluent is is to become this this data sharing platform, and you know, right now Gluent solves that that physical data access that you know the the pipes for the plumbing you know we can get we can get to the data you know wherever it's at, Glue and and whatever other catalogs you know that are similar can can provide that data awareness, so understanding where the data lives within the enterprise. And so when you, yeah, it's definitely a, I mean, not only a name, but it's a, it is a good compliment. I mean, it's, it's funny to see this, this glue thing, thing come out, but, but yeah, they, but between the, the physical data access and the metadata, plus the, you know, mm. glue has the transformations, which Gluent doesn't do. That's, mm. I think it's a very good compliment. 
Okay, okay. So the other thing that's happened since you and I were in consulting was the rise of this thing called the data engineering movement. So data mm. engineers and kind of people with math degrees and, and PhDs writing ETL code and, and, and so on. I mean, what, what's your observation been of that? It's probably a little bit unrelated to, to Kaluan, but this idea of, of, of kind of software engineers and, and, and kind of math PhDs writing kind of ETL code and, and so on. What's your take on that? Yeah, I think it's well. I've you know listening to your podcast, I've I've uh, I, I continue to to hear a theme, which is you know where is this this uh, big data technology ETL tool? You know what we have, and I don't know if you've found it yet. It doesn't sound like it, but you know you've gone through some of the some you know, stream sets and and glue might be it, but you know. And and so that that's just the the missing piece right now. And so the rise of the data engineer and and you know that, that great article that, that came out, um, you know that that's uh, defines that role and and that's what that 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 role does is is build the ETL pipelines that that you don't have a tool to build with. Will it will it shift to something um, that's more? more easy to use and you don't need a, a, a PhD or something, you know, to, or, or at least you don't need to write everything in code. I, I think it will. Um, it's, it depends on, uh, I think it depends on how rapidly, uh, you know, these technologies evolve first, you know, so if, if you, it's easier to keep up with changing technologies in code, I believe, than, uh, you know, writing code to build a platform that somebody else needs to use to write code. Uh, and also, you know, will it will will things you know consolidate a little bit more? You know, so it's again, it's tough to write software on top of on top of lots of you can't be everything for everybody. So, you know, will will the the industry kind of consolidate into some a few standards? So, but I think ultimately, it's probably going to get get closer to to a, a graphical tool. And you know, maybe maybe glue ends up being that. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think, I think, um, yeah. The, the 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 question I always had is whether or not, yeah, everything being scripted these days is because um, yeah, the paradigm has changed, as people as people might say, or it's kind of immaturity really in, in people doing it. And it, it there was I was at a Looker um, event last week, and and it was actually a, a a partner a part of it, and they talked about yeah, they described what happened a few years ago. It's almost like they described it as a situation when there was a big whale that got beached on uh, the the. Uh, on the kind of beach at San Francisco, and um, I think what they did was to get rid of it. They they um, they dynamited it, this big kind of beached whale. And yeah, at the time, people were thinking it would just kind of like blow up and then disappear. And, and actually, what happened is that it kind of exploded, and the bits went everywhere. And it took them years to kind of clear it up. I think or something like that. But the point is that that's a bit like what happened with monolithic BI and ETL suites. Yeah, when you and I first started doing this, it was, you know, in our case, Oracle BI covered everything, everything you could think of from OLAP to reporting to whatever. And then you had ETL tools like, you know, data integration suite that did everything there as well. And it kind of, you know, a couple of years ago, it all just got blown up. And, and so now you've got these little kind of like point solutions, you know, so from the ETL side. What I've been noticing is is that you know there's scripting going on, so things like Airflow and, and so on. The place that I work at is all all code, but you've got little mm-hmm. solutions coming along. You've got Stitch, you've got kind of Fivetran, um, you've got things like DBT, open source, and so on. And, and it's mm-hmm. interesting to sort of think: is this just the same components reassembling themselves, 
or have we now moved to a kind of are the because really ETL was let's be honest it was the kind of the worst out of all the jobs you get really wasn't it in terms of write, writing mappings between tables was right. about the kind of the worst job you could have isn't it and now writing ETL code you're a hero you know because you're because you're a data engineer and and you just it's interesting isn't it you wonder have things changed have we moved to this I mean it's, I think it was um, uh, um, from from uh, Confluent Gwen Shapira you know talked mm-hmm. about you know to her mind writing code is a better way to do data tra- data movement and data Data, you know data transformation but i don't know i mean you and i are both here around when everyone was saying that to us back about writing PL SQL to do this and actually right. in practice it wasn't i don't know i mean what do you think what do you think on that yeah yeah the the etl developer is is the first to be blamed when when something doesn't <laughs> doesn't process correctly or or perform correctly right and then you start pointing out dbas and network and yeah but but that's you know that <laughs> it's it's interesting to to think about um you know when when everything sort of got blown up and and tools like ODI and Informatica came out their big data uh you know approach right so with ODI because I'm, I'm mo- most familiar with that you know they they just built in these new new templates that worked with Spark SQL but when you go to a, an actual client and say, "Hey, you know, we've got this, uh, you know, the ability to access your your Spark data and, or your uh, your HDFS files and, and use Spark to transform it," then they say, "Well, but I want to use Scala instead of you know PySpark. Like we, we can't do anything about that, you know. So so the flexibility is gone, right? And that's that's where I I don't know if that's what what you know someone like Gwen would say it's it's the flexibility you have, but when you start getting into the technologies you or the, or the ETL tools and those technologies, you, you get, you get a little pigeonholed and you're stuck with what has been delivered to you. So, yeah. So I, I think, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, uh, I think it's, I, I also think it's a bit of the, you know, immaturity where ultimately it's the, the, the industry is going to move towards a tool, but you know, you, I, I definitely could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, <clears throat> I, I've asked um, uh, Robin Moffat to come back on the show at some point, and of course, he's now <clears throat> he's now rocked up at, uh, at Confluent as well, and you know, for, for, you know, very much there. It's obviously Kafka, and it's about data pipelines and so on. I mean, again, do you think this is? Do you think this is again a change? Do you think there's a fundamental change there with things like Kafka compared to what you and I used to do with batch loading of, of, of kind of relational data and so on, or yeah, or is it all the same really? I mean, what, do you think there's some fundamental changes there, or, or what? Yeah, it's the old, you know, it's the old it depends answer, right? <laughs> it's, yes, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at what their announcement just a couple of weeks ago and the K-SQL that came out, you know, when when, when you think you're just writing, you know, writing uh, uh, Java code to, to process streaming data, now you can do it with SQL, you know, it's <laughs> because... SQL will never die. It's always going to be the way you access and that that's that's been... That's been my kind of uh, yeah. Occasionally, you, you kind of admit to things that you were perhaps wrong <laughs> on or you whatever. And and that, that thing, the thing, the statement, a lot of people kind of old farts as I called them at the time that were saying SQL will be the, will be the language of, of big data. And and you know, to my mind, that was a slightly self serving statement. That I think it was Oracle that was saying it. Well, they would say that. Yeah. But you know, SQL and batch transformations and so on. I mean, it just keeps coming back, doesn't it? it you, you kind of you know, it surfaced again that and tabular storage in BigQuery, <clears throat> and now. Uh, Confluent announced it for, for for you know for their for their product yep, as well, yep. and it's great. I mean, it's it, it's the way people <laughs> have doing it for, been doing it for years. So you know why change it? <laughs> I think 
I, I think the you know the uh, you know the SQL engines on Hadoop are are are, are definitely you know they're they're immature, but they're for for uh, you know compared to relational database uh, and, and like a relational database like Oracle or SQL Server that have you know built up this this functionality over years. But but if you think about you know four three or four years of Impala being out there and and the how much it can do, you know just imagine ten years from now if if a SQL on Hadoop engine or or whatever it's running against. You know, imagine what they can build in at that point. You know, the SQL engines on Hadoop are are are, are definitely you know they're they're immature, but they're for for uh, you know compared to relational database uh, and, and like a relational database like Oracle or SQL Server that have you know built up this this functionality over years. But but if you think about you know four three or four years of Impala being out there and and the how much it can do. You know, just imagine ten years from now, if if a SQL on Hadoop engine or or whatever it's running against, you know, imagine what they can build in at that point. You know, the I think the great part about these these open source tools are the 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 fact that you know if if you or I have a need and and I guess the the knowledge to and, and the ability to to do something about it and, and the the need you know there isn't a, a the functionality within that tool we can go make it happen so so that's you know i can go find the jira ticket and fix that that bug you know <laughs> so so that's i mean that's the, the power of the open source software i think is 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 pretty neat yeah okay so so just to kind of round off then it's i think i think it's open world next week oracle open world first year in about 10 years that i've not i've not been um and are you got you gonna be there will gluent be there and will you be there or or um you know what's the kind of what's happening then yeah yeah i i won't be there that's yeah first in a few years for me that, I, that i'll be missing uh but yeah Tanel will be there and uh, a couple other folks so uh yeah if you you can definitely reach out and and um you know if you want to talk to us Okay. Okay. Uh, that's good. I mean, so brilliant. Well, look, you know, uh, Michael, it's been brilliant to speak to you again. It's been a long time, <clears throat> probably about a year now or something since we, we spoke properly. Um, and it's, it's great to hear what you guys are doing and, and how the product's developing with, with Gluent there. Um, and yeah, it's been great to speak to you. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, so keep us, in, keep us informed in the future what's going on with the product. And uh, it'll be kind of good to see where you, how you get on, really. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, and uh yeah, keep keep doing the these great shows. I, I really appreciate it.